yeah, I could fail big time. And it would be like, it would be partly embarrassing, but it's also, you know what, this, this is who I am. And sometimes things don't go your way and it's okay. Then you pick yourself up and you try again. What is going on, everyone? Emily Abadi here, coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. Today, for episode 206, I am chatting with Jackie Hunt Burzma. She's an endurance athlete and amputee who recently did something that for so many is completely unfathomable, and that is run 104 marathons in 104 days. I know, I know, absolutely amazing. And if it is confirmed by Guinness World Records, that would be a new world record. Now, I mentioned that she is an amputee. Back in 2001, she lost her left leg to a rare form of cancer called Ewing sarcoma at only 26 years old. Now, in today's episode, she talks about what that was like, how she felt one morning when a golf ball-sized bulge developed on her leg literally overnight, and a few days later, she was undergoing surgery to have her leg amputated. Now, a fun fact about Jackie is that she really only got heavily into running about five years ago. And to do that, she had to shell out about $10,000 for a running blade, which is part of the reason that during the marathons, during the world record attempt, Jackie was raising funds for amputee blade runners. She actually raised more than $192,000. Absolutely incredible. I am going to link the GoFundMe page in the show notes. So if you are interested in contributing to Jackie's cause, you can click on over there and do so. In today's episode, Jackie gives us the rundown on the how, how she managed to get up for so many consecutive days and run, talking about her why and the very well-executed recovery strategy that she followed to a T so that she could show up and do the best she could with what she had day after day. We're talking Epsom salt baths, we're talking using a massage gun, and also the importance of good nutrition, which the insight as to what she ate, what she was fueling with, super, super interesting. Of course, a feat like this also requires a lot of mental gymnastics. Jackie talks to us about how she was able to work on positive self-talk, to talk herself up, and how that has been a battle for her since losing her leg many years ago. We also tackle the emotional come down of something like this, about how going after this size of a goal is a major life thing. It's like getting married or having a child even, and how after these big moments, it can feel some kind of way to come down. So how she's dealing with that, what strategies and tools she has in her toolbox, how she's excited to have a little bit more time to spend with her family and her kids again, and so much more. Jackie, so, so happy that we were able to make this happen. We literally ran into each other in Boston and it was it was so great to meet IRL and to have this time together as well. And I am just so blown away and impressed by you. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on the socials. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you have a second, please rate and review the show and make sure you're subscribed to the weekly hurdle newsletter. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, 
I am sitting down with Jackie Hunt Bursma. She is an, let's call her an endurance athlete because what she has just accomplished takes a whole lot of endurance. Do you want to tell the people what you've done, Jackie? Um, I've just run 104 marathons in 104 days. Woohoo! <laughs> applause coming from the Hurdle Studio. I'll have to see if I can find like an applause MP3 to like throw <laughs> into the audio here. Congratulations. What a stellar accomplishment. And beyond the fact that this is such an impressive physical feat, you also did a lot of good in the process, raising over $192,000 dollars for amputee blade runners wow just absolutely astounding <laughs> i know i was i was blown away i'm like i could yeah i kind of went in i went in with a very small little goal i thought you know what if we can help one amputee i'm like yeah we'll raise like ten thousand. that was like my like really like little goal i had and i was like any little bit will help but i'm so blown away with the support and just it's just been incredible yeah and of course, I'm sure the people listening, because they're listening, they aren't perhaps privy to the information that you yourself are an amputee. We will get into your backstory and learning a little bit more about how you got to this point. But talk to me about why it was so exciting for you to be able to work with amputee Blade Runners, to be able to give this amount of amazing amount of money over yeah. to that organization they, they do really great work and they they provide running blades for amputees and i kind of wanted to work with them because running blades are really expensive insurance sees it as a luxury weirdly in the states which is so dumb for me like running really changed me like the perspective the perception of how i saw myself as an amputee um, because when you become an amputee, you kind of, people don't mean to, but you get put in a box and it's like, yeah, this, this is kind of where you're going to stay. They kind of limit uh, your abilities. And I feel like running just showed me how strong I could be. And it gave me this whole appreciation of my body and kind of helped me through the process of accepting myself as who I am. And so I really find running is such a good healing process. And I think most runners that do run find that too. It's a good mental, it really helps your mental side of it. And so I want to do help other other amputees because a lot, I mean, it's just pain that you can't afford it. You just can't, yeah. I mean, who can afford $10,000 on a running blade? Because that's what they cost. So this was just my way of giving back. I was like, if we could just help one person, that would be fantastic. You're not just helping one person with over $192,000. That's truly remarkable. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about your passion for this sport, knowing that you haven't been a runner for really long. In fact, you didn't even pick up running until after you had your leg amputated. So before we get into that, yeah. before we get into you developing your relationship with running, uh -huh. let's learn a little bit about you coming into sport, period. Were you active growing up? Not really. I mean, I used to go to the gym. I used to go to spin class. Does that cause, like, classify myself as very active? Yeah, I went. I crushed it in a spin class. <laughs> and that's kind of what I did. It's weird. Like when, when you lose part of your body, there's a, there's a part of you that kind of wants to just desperately be normal and just um, show people that you can just because you get put in this box. And I and running was one of those things where it was firstly it was really expensive ten thousand dollars for a blade and then secondly it's like why would you you're an amputee you don't need to do you don't need to do these things you you're fine you can just sit on the sofa and it's um I mean I've had that told to me too that it's like why no one expects anything from you you're now an amputee just accept the way your life is and I'm like no we can do better we can we can do it just as good as everyone else. And it's kind of, I think I kind of went into running as my little protest of like to the world. I'm like, no, I belong here. This is what I'm doing. And this is kind of what I can do. But the funny thing is going in is as a, like before I was an amputee, I thought runners were crazy. I was like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and that's what was my thinking. So it was, it was funny that I was, in a sense, just like, well, no, I want to give it a shot and see what happens. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. You know, I think it is funny because I feel as though a lot of people 
do sit on like one side of that solid line, like one side of the median, right? It's like you totally understand why someone may want to go through this on the regular or you view this sport as a complete torture method, which Uh fun fact, treadmills originally started in an English prison as a form of torture. So I mean, I I did not know that. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) It did. They did. I I wrote an article on this recently. So yeah, I know. Absolutely crazy. But I love that you found this passion for the sport and then used it as a vehicle to do so much good. So we referenced, of course, by now, you being an amputee. Talk to us about what happened and how you lost your leg? Um, I mean, uh, in 2002, I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. And for me, it was kind of a bit of a, it was a span of three weeks of a massive roller coaster. Because what happened was I developed a, I had a lump on my leg and I went to the doctor and they kind of like, well, that's not really good. It was kind of the size of a golf ball. It literally had, I'd gone to bed the night. Um, woke up in the morning and this I suddenly had this thing on my leg uh, it just totally came out of the blue it's like oh my goodness what is this so went to the doctor and they immediately scheduled a biopsy um, and the funny thing is I still remember and it's weird even though it was 2002 these things in your life it's like it sticks with you as if it was yesterday and I just I still remember all the conversations I had and um going in for in for the the surgery they were like well if it's good news we won't ring we won't phone you back if it's bad news we'll phone you within two days i'm like who tells someone that and it's like really so you're you're sitting and you're watching the phone it's like okay one day one's gone by it's all good day two and then the phone of course rings and they break you break the news and like you need to come in but you need to bring someone with you and it's like okay, this is not good news. And the weird thing, even though part of me knew it wasn't good news, cancer was never in my thinking, weirdly. I was like, because cancer happens to someone else. It doesn't happen to you. It's like weird how your mind works. And of course, they broke the news to me what it was. And I automatically thought, I kind of went into survival mode. Um, It's weird. You kind of block things out and you just like, you feel like you're not really there. And I I could hear them talking to me, but I wasn't there. And it's just like, it, it's like, it's like a weird, like weird feeling. And I thought, okay, fine. I obviously the next plan is going to be chemo and we're going to just take this on and surgery to remove it and that will be fine. So within two days, I was scheduled to see the specialist, got to the specialist. And the first thing he says to me, as I walk through, he's like, um, chemo is not going to work for you because of the size of the tumor. The only thing that's going to work is amputation. So I'm like, what? <laughs> and he had already scheduled an appointment for the next week for my surgery. So it was just like this big, like I had gone from having nothing to a lump to cancer, everything within three weeks. So it kind of, it was kind of one of those things because I was, I was in my twenties when it happened and I kind of went into a little bit of denial. Like I didn't want to accept what was happening. And I, I kind of just thought I just wanted to be normal and went through the surgery, had my leg amputated. And I was I was back at the office within six weeks because I just you know what, I'm not I'm not an amputee. I'm not going to be disabled. And for me, that was a like a massive big sticking point. I was like, I'm not going to be disabled. This is I'm just going to carry on. I just keep keep going and just going. And it's and it's one of those things where it took me a long time because I used to just, I couldn't, after that, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I would always just wear pants. I'm like, it was like that part of me, I thought I was really, really ugly. And it was just, it was a hard thing to kind of accept. And for a long time, it was like, that was my mental struggle just to kind of get through that and kind of have acceptance, even though I was, I was having this normal life and I was doing everything everyone else was doing. No one, no one, like if you hadn't known my story, you would know I was an amputee. So I just kind of got on with things. And I, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Like I just, it just became my new normal and just kind of just carried on. And then with, with the running, when I started the running, I kind of then, it kind of opened things up for me. And it just, it just, I finally could accept my body and, now I never wear pants. I'm always in shorts because I'm like, you know what? This is my body. This this body can run a hundred miles or do crazy things. And it's just, it gave me this whole new perception of 
no, this body is pretty badass. And it's just like appreciation. <laughs> and it's like, now I can look myself in the mirror and go, wow, this is incredible and stuff. So it's, and that's why I'm such a big advocate for, we need to get more amputees out running because for me, I wish, I wish that someone had just taken me then when I was going through all this and say, you know what, you need to give this a try because this will definitely help you accept who you are and just give it a go kind of thing. Definitely. And I mean, there's so much to double click on here. First and foremost, when you had this bulge develop on your leg overnight, did you have pain that was associated with that or any other symptoms? Yeah, I did. I had like, I had surgery there like years before and it was like a scar I had on my leg and it had always been painful. And every time I went back to the doctors, they would always say that, oh no, it's just scar tissue. There's nothing Mm. to worry about. And at the time when, when they discovered this, they, they actually told me, they're like, you know what, what saved your life is that this was a slow growing tumor. So I've, I probably had it in my body for years, but no one bothered to kind of research a little bit further of the pain I was having. So it's like, it's so bizarre. I mean, what a amazing example or unfortunate example of like the need to be your own patient advocate, right? Absolutely. And that's what I always say to everyone. I'm like, use your voice, speak up. And, and it's, and it's definitely been one of the things I've really learned. And even over the years, like becoming an amputee and getting prosthetics and stuff, because a lot of people, the questions was, how did you do 104 marathons on a prosthetic leg? And I get these questions from amputees because my soccer doesn't fit well. I could never run the distance you are running. And I'm like, you need to be your an advocate. You need to raise your voice and say, no, that doesn't fit. It's not right. I need, I need the best. I need, and it's okay. Fight for yourself. We talked a lot about struggling with feeling beautiful again, which I'm sure in so many different circumstances, amputee or not, there are so many things that can happen in our lives that certainly make us feel that way. Now, you were able to find a love in running and I love what it did for you, but maybe that isn't a choice or something that a lot of people would really like to lean into. So Mm -hmm. what else can you perhaps identify or articulate that helped you through that not so stellar time of really stepping into your own in your yeah. new body? I think, I think it's just accepting what has happened. It's the, the whole acceptance of what, and, and, and like when these things happen, it's something they, and it's hard to say it cause you, you can't change what's happened. So it's find, find something that you're kind of the positive side of it. For me, that was, I had survived cancer. So it's like looking at the perspective of, well, yes, I lost my leg, but I'm still here today. So it's kind of finding finding that way of, because it can be hard because you can get really, really dark and all you focus on is the negative side of it. But you need to look at the, what what have you gained? Like, what what is the good thing of it? And yeah, I know, I know it sounds weird to say that, yeah, but you've lost your leg, but I gained life and I'm like here. I wouldn't have been here if they hadn't amputated my leg. Right, right. And so you were 26 when I this was happened? 26, yes. Okay, 26 years old when you had your leg amputated, not yet a mother. I'm sure for your family dynamic as time went on and and then you had your children, it must have been interesting and rewarding for you to take on new titles and to find new sources of identity. It was and it's and what's what's amazing is my kids have grown up just knowing me as an amputee. They, they don't know me differently. So they're, they're so used to the way I look and my stump and things like that. And, and it's like, often they'll like, when I'm walking outside and people stare or point, they'll go, mommy, why do they always do that? It's like, it's just your leg. There's nothing different. So for them, it's just like, oh, that's part of my mom. And it's just who she is. So it's, it's really sweet. And yeah. (laughs) What a beautiful like lesson for them, like to see all different forms of people as beautiful. And also of note here, you did talk about going through the mental recovery, but also the physical recovery, I would assume, had its fair share of challenges. Can you reflect on that experience with us? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a tedious process when when you have, when you have your amputated, it's just, it's a lot of pain. It's like, it's, 
it's nothing you can prepare you for the amount of pain um even though like and it was great in the hospital i was on morphine for a while which was fantastic because i'm like oh i'm not feeling anything and then the shock comes when they send you home because you don't have that anymore and it's just like you you kind of have to deal with this uh, incredible amount of pain and just um it, it can be debilitating because it's it's just there's just I can't I can't describe it but then it's also the the other little things that you need to get used to it's like getting up in the morning I, I fell out of bed a few times because your brain still th- it's the weirdest thing your brain still thinks your foot is there so when you do anything like you get up at night and get out of bed I had to sw- we had to switch sides on our bed like it's just a simple thing because as soon as I was getting out of bed I put my foot out and I'd fall flat on my face. It's just, it's such a, like, my brain took a while to kind of realize the foot wasn't there anymore. And then you have the whole phantom pain. Like, I'd, I'd get, my big toe would, would itch. It's the weirdest thing. And then you kind of, like, you reach down to scratch your non-existent toe. It's like, in the beginning, it was like, oh, my goodness. But now I laugh about it because I'm like, this is hilarious. And it's like my husband's like, do you realize what you've just did? I was like, well, what am I doing? He's like, you just scratched your non-existent toe. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just kind of becomes, yeah, you kind of you have to make like and that's the other thing I'd like say to other MPs, like when you're going through this is you kind of there's a part of you need to accept it. But and I, I always try to make it lighthearted and just kind of see the the funny I mean I, I know it's serious but it's laughter really helps so it's just that's why I'm always wearing funny shirts and stuff like that because I just I feel it's it's part of life and it's just if you can kind of find the funny side in things sometimes it also helps yeah of course for sure and for you then you also mentioned and we we talked about we touched on how you only recently started running about five years ago uh the cost of the blade very a, a lot of money uh-huh. how far into moving in this way like did you buy the blade and then you were like well I, I spent all this money on this thing so now it's time to use it exactly and that's why I'm I'm pushing I'm getting my money's my money's worth out of my blade that's why I'm pushing these limits yeah it know. was people, kind of people buy like treadmills all the time and then don't touch them for years I mean I would assume that a prosthetic <laughs> is a lot that, different than that but that, that was one of those things my husband's like you better like this because we're spending like 10 grand on this you better like it I was like oh yeah no pressure there <laughs> now as someone um not an amputee would you say that the uh active prosthetic or is there a proper name that I should be using for this um I yeah running blade the running prosthetic okay would you say that this is more comfortable than perhaps your everyday or it's just a different feeling it's a different feeling like my everyday is great like like the running blade is really hard to walk in so Mm. like it's it's just different because the walking the walking prosthesis has a foot on it like a proper foot so it's just it's good it's created for that whereas a running blade is a little bit more springy and it's made for running so it kind of pushes you it kind of just helps with that momentum of your your missing ankle. So it just kind of helps your movement. So when you're walking in it, it's not designed for that. So it kind of makes it a little bit more uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's so, it's so interesting because I mean, one would think like, oh, it must be more flexible. It must be more comfortable to use regularly. Um, but but that's with, not necessarily the case. Well, it, it, yeah. And that's, that's probably because it is more flexible. It just kind of, it it's weird because when you stand it kind of pushes your stump a little bit more forward if that makes sense mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely more flexible but when you're trying to walk in that it just makes it more uncomfortable it's weird but it's it's yeah it's it's great because it's it's quite lightweight so it just it just makes running a lot more comfortable so when you started using your running prosthetic, uh-huh. did you feel excited? Did you feel dread? Did you feel like, wow, it's going to take me some time to get used to this? <laughs> I felt the first time I ran with it, I felt like I was flying. It was the weirdest sensation. But then also I was a little nervous because it's a weird thing. They they The, the process is hilarious because you, you, get, you get costed for this prosthetic and then they they put the foot on when you get your final like they, they give you a test socket and then they they hand it to you and then they go well there you go off you go go run and it's like wait a minute how do i do this so you have to figure that out because it's 
it's kind of like going out if you went for a run and you had your eyes closed it's kind of that same feeling it's because you're running on something that your brain hasn't picked up yet so you're kind of nervous like to put all your weight on it and for me mm. that that's part took a long time because i had to develop those muscles and develop a, a relationship between my brain and the prosthetic just to kind of get that rhythm going to fix up my stride because my stride was awful in the beginning because it just wasn't it just didn't feel normal it just didn't feel right and it was like weird um but yeah it just takes some time and then you kind of get used to it and your brain kind of like picks up a little bit and it's like oh okay we can trust this we can trust this weird thing um yeah and what about the cardiovascular side of things i mean to go from not running to running in itself for anyone prosthetic or not amputee or not is uh not the uh, easiest thing no because my first 5k i thought i was gonna die <laughs> I was like, what did I get myself into? And then I'm thinking, oh, I spent $10,000 on this blade. I better like it. I better kind of keep going at it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it was challenging. Yeah, it was It was great because it was a great challenge. And I think, it, um, yeah, it was just, it, it kind of, even though it was really hard, I just felt like I was doing something I thought would be impossible. And there's 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 something with that. It just gives you a new motivation and it just kind of and yes even though I've kind of gone from that um 5k's to 100 milers and doing this 100 I've had days where I'm like I don't want to run I hate the sport and I mean we all go through that because it just it gets I mean running's not easy um it is a tough sport to get into but it has so much good that you kind of stick with that and it's just yeah I love it so then what has been the evolution of trying to get through the 5K to actually really falling in love with this thing and talking about it with this fondness that you reflect on it so much with now? I'm Yeah, at some point it just clicked. And that's why I always I always say to anyone that kind of wants to start running is don't judge your run by your first the first try because guaranteed most runners didn't love it from the beginning. It's kind of it's kind of one of those things where you just a few runs in and then suddenly somewhere it just clicks and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is just amazing. I love the sport. And you just kind of get in. And for me, it, it kind of clicked. And then I just started kind of upping distances and just kind of just pushing more boundaries. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. I can do really, really hard things and just like kind of just carried on with it. Just kind of carried just on with it. Just kind of carried on <laughs> I do feel as though that ap lesson is certainly applicable to so many things, right? There are so many things that we put our effort to into one day or another. And on that one particular day, it could feel completely wonky yeah. and just not like we are, you know, have any substance in our life. And then the next day, it just, you have just that one good moment that reminds yeah. you of what you're capable of. Exactly. Exactly. And I think too often we give up on ourselves too quickly. And it's just, if we just kept at things and just kind of tried one more time, you'd, you'd surprise yourself. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen with that one time. So uh -huh. talk to me then about your first ever marathon. My first ever marathon was Chicago, actually, in 2017. Um, yeah, that was, that was, I was quite a mess. <laughs> Divine mess, Jackie. Oh, it was just like, I couldn't wait to get to the finish line. I was like, oh my goodness, I need to get done now. Um, I mean, to be honest, go, going into it, I hadn't, I hadn't really trained that much as I should have done, probably, um, if I'm totally honest with myself. But I still smile when I think about Chicago Marathon just because even though it was hard, it was just the the atmosphere, the crowd. It was like, wow, it was just incredible. It definitely is. And probably because it was my first is one of my favorite marathons that I kind of just remember. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just an amazing experience. And did you feel as though you were hooked from that point on? Or did you think when you finished that you may never do one again? Um, I probably, I, I remember saying when I crossed the finish line, I'm never doing this again. And then 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, heck, sign me up again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, fast forward five years and here we are. So now let's segue into the conception of this crazy idea. Where were you? Where were you sitting? Who were you with when you said, I have this thought about this 
thing? Yeah, I remember when I broke the news to my husband, he's like, wait, what? What are you going to do again? And he rolled his eyes at me. It came kind of put on a, on a post through social media, as it does, um, and that someone had done 95 consecutive days. And it, and it was, they said this, yeah, and it was just like, and I looked at that and I thought, oh my goodness, that looks amazing. I'm like, I wonder if I could, as an amputee, if I'd be able to take that on. Because I was looking at, stupidly, I was like, oh, what's going to be my next challenge? Not as if anything else I'm doing was hard enough. I was like, oh yeah, let's see how how much more can I push myself? And then this came up and I was like, it would be really good. Like the they finished on 95 and I was like, no, why didn't you finish on 100? Um, you, it's just five more. Um, I, I can't believe I was like thinking it's only five more. Um, and so I kind of just like, that's how it went. And I just told my husband, oh, well, I saw this um, 95 consecutive marathons. I'm going to go after it. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a hundred. And I've applied, I've applied to take it on. So I'm going to start on this day. I had already worked it all out and I like, oh yeah, do you mind? I'm going to do this. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> And, and this became your full-time job. Like you're not working a nine to five no, and then also no. finding time to run a marathon. Every no, day. this, this, this became my main job. I mean, I do coaching on this. I kind of do coaching and stuff, but that kind of took a bit of a back step just so I could focus on this because it was weird because you're doing the marathon thing, but their normal life, like my kids had to go to school. My kids had to do homework. You need to cook dinner and and it's like everything kind of kind of blurred into one a little bit because we had to still normal life was still going on. <laughs> How many marathons in did you have your first thought, am I actually going to keep doing this? I I yeah, I kind of had like a mixed mixed emotions because when I started, I didn't know how far I would get. Then I thought, you know what, I might actually only make it to 30 because there were so many factors I had to think about running with a blade, like yeah, is my stump, my biggest concern was, is my stump actually going to hold up? Because it's, mm. because my stump is really bony and it's like, I always get issues with my tibia and a lot of swelling and things like that. So there was like all these unknown factors that going into it. I was like, well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe my blade snaps when I get to 30, my uh, 30 marathon. You just didn't know. So right. when I got to, when I actually got to 35, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. I'm actually maybe going to do this. Um, it's kind of like, okay, I've got this far now. I can kind of just keep pushing through and just kind of keep going. And then I had like, I got to 50 and I had this whole total breakdown. I was like, you know what? And, it, and it's weird. Cause I, I actually posted about that. Cause it was, I was tired and my brain, like it's weird how, what I've learned with this whole process is how powerful your mind is. And my mind started telling me, it's like, you know what? 50 is a good distance. Don't overdo it. You're fine. You like 50, no one, no one will say anything. 50 marathons, 50 days is fantastic. And it's just like, I had to fight through that. I'm like, no, I'm gonna like, I'm like, physically, I feel absolutely fine. If I quit now, I'm going to be really, really disappointed in myself, especially because if, if I haven't broken my foot or my blade hasn't broken, I had absolutely no excuse to keep going to not keep going so that's kind of how I was like playing with my like mind games all the time it was it was it was funny that I was just having to convince myself the whole time just to keep going taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my friends at AG1 from Athletic Greens I have been on a kick of really thinking about my immunity. I feel like right now between spring colds, spring allergies, this other variant, I won't even say the C word. Anyway, immunity, it's important. And so that is where literally every morning I feel so confident in my decision to shake up a bottle of AG1 from Athletic Greens. The other day, my dad asked me how much vitamin C comes in one serving of Athletic Greens. And let me tell you, it's 420 milligrams. That's 467% of your daily value. It's also got 
zinc, which is super critical when it comes to overall immunity and giving your body what it needs when it's feeling a little down and out at 15 milligrams, 136% of your daily value. And those are just two of the unbelievable vitamins and minerals that come in your regular serving of AG1 from Athletic Greens. In fact, it's got 75 whole food source ingredients as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. It is my immunity superpower, my nutritional powerhouse. It's the best and I love it. I get a lot of questions about what it tastes like. I think it tastes a little sweet. It's got hints of pineapple in there. It's not grassy like other green beverages that I've tried in the past and it's my go-to. Of course, you should get in the AG1 action today. And if you do so, you can get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours today. Again, that web address is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get freebies with your first purchase today. Let's get back to it. How did you feel on day number one when you shared your goal with the world? Scared. I was actually really impressed that you stepped outside of your comfort zone that early. Like you made the announcement and you were like, I'm in because it could have been super simple for you to just start this and see how it felt Uh, and then... uh, tell the world but it's it's kind of the whole thing of accountability I guess a little bit because you tell the world oh I'm doing this and there is a bit of a responsibility you then feel like well I've put it all out there I can't fail now kind of thing but it it's really really scary to put, put yourself out there but I always teach my kids that you know what it's okay to fail 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 a failure doesn't mean that it's the end of it what means is that the best thing is that you tried and you gave it a shot. And I just feel like that is just a lot of us, a lot of the times people don't try things because they're more scared of the failure than giving it a try. And I've learned the most out of like when I failed at a race and I, I, I say fail for me, it's never been a failure. It's always a lesson. I've always learned something. Like if I haven't had a, a finished a race, I've learned and I'm like, okay, well, next time I can do things better. And this is what, so I, I deliberately kind of put myself out there because yeah, I could fail big time and it would be like, it would be partly embarrassing, but it's also, you know what, this, this is who I am. And sometimes things don't go your way and it's okay. Then you pick yourself up and you try again. I appreciate that mentality for sure. You know, it's definitely a theme that we talk a lot about here on hurdle and for you to know that this could go so many different directions and that whatever direction that it went in would be one that you could learn from. That's really, really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Super valuable. So we talked about getting to these like little benchmarks along the way that kind of instilled confidence that you could keep going. But I'm sure that did not mean that you didn't face your fair share of hurdles on your journey. So when you reflect on that period of time and you think about those 104 marathons, what would you say were some of the biggest hurdles that you faced along the way? I think it was, it was, it was emotional. Like, like I, I remember at one point I kind of like some of the runs were just hard. They were really, really hard. Like you, you get up and you were like, your mind is like, I'm tired my body is tight and it's like my muscles are all tight and it's like oh my goodness I need to run another marathon it's like how am I going to get through this and then you start and things just don't feel nice it's like this is really hard and you're just kind of fighting like the emotions and the one particular runner it was it was a hard run and it's like I would stop at mile five and I was like I kind of sat down. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I do, yeah, this is like really hard. I'm like, I'm just not because you you get those runs where you go out and you're just not feeling it. It's just like this is just your strides off. Everything's just not gelling. And it's just like, but then I kind of I've learned now. And I think with this whole process, it's really built mental strength. Um, so I'm I'm so grateful that I did go down this journey because it was kind of one of those things where I had to learn and say, okay, it's okay. Just focus on the next mile. And that's what I did with a lot of the runs when they were really, really hard. I just focus on the next mile and then get to the mile, celebrate that mile, 
you know, just like, because I think a lot of the times when, we, when we're doing hard things, we forget to celebrate and we forget to like pat ourselves on the back because you did a great job. You phenomenal, just keep going. And so that's what I did. And it's just like, I just kind of just every step of the, just kind of one step at a time, just kind of get, and then before you know it, you're like, at, you've done the distance. And it's like, heck yeah, I fought through that. And then it's kind of weird because then you feel, you feel really great about yourself. Like you, you forget about the good runs. You like, you know what? I crushed a bad run. <laughs> I totally crushed a bad run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They always say that you learn more from your failures and the hard times than you do from the big moments of celebration and success. Yeah. Waking up every day, Groundhog's Day, running for (laughs) something like five hours, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Was there any single marathon effort that you literally asked yourself, am I going to be able to finish this? Yeah, I think it was probably, well, at like number 80 or something like that. And it's weird because it's, it's like, you're so close but yet you're still so far. And it's like, cause like people are like, oh yes, 80, you've only got like 20, like at the time I was only going for a hundred. You've only got like, you've only got 20 left. And it's like, no, you do realize how much work that is kind of, you, you, you become overwhelmed with there and you're like, yeah. I'm just so tired. You know, can't see straight. And, and so I, yeah, I had to kind of fight through those like really, really hard times just to kind of keep going. But then you focus on the bigger picture and you're like, well, if you quit now, you're going to be so disappointed because you, you are that close. And it's like, right. you, you kind of try and change the wording and just kind of try and change your mindset a little bit. I remember, and I, it escapes me when this was, but there was one day that you ran too. Talk to oh, me about no, that. Oh, don't remind me. Yeah, that was number 35. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, it was it was it was a weird thing and it's like I'm who knows because the rules the rules aren't like totally black and white and it's like it's open for interpretation. <laughs> and I had signed up I was actually going to do a race that day and I had signed up for a marathon but with childcare with my kiddos and stuff I changed it I changed it to the half. So I thought, you know what? It'd be fine. I'll do the half and then I'll come and check and make sure my kids are okay. And then I'll do the other half. And no, it, it, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't say that you can't kind of split it. And that was the first time I had ever done that. Like I've, I've always like gone out and just did everything done as it. a yeah. full marathon. And it was just like this. I was like, well, there's nothing else I can do right now. So I'm just going to have to do that. And just hopefully, and obviously being on social media and being open, you you're always going to be open for criticism um which was fine and a few people kind of came back and said well that didn't count then and i was like part of me and a lot of people also then said you shouldn't have cared because it did count and i'm like yeah but i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure and it's like when you're doing something like this if you get to the end and then that you have to submit all your data and stuff and then they're going to come back and say well actually 35 didn't count so then you'd feel bad because you'd like, oh, shoot, I should have just. So it was weird. I saw that. I'm like, right, you know what? I'm just going to go do another one. And I literally went out and ran a full marathon. And I was like, part of me was broken at the end because I literally, I think I made it within six minutes of the time because I had to do it before 12 um, because you have to do it within the 24 hours. So I, that was counting against me too. And yeah um it it was hard because i hadn't obviously not planned nutrition for for running 50 miles i mean because when i when i do my ultras i the nutrition is a little bit different like on the day and stuff like that because you just obviously you need more calories and things right yeah um so it kind of from there and it's like part of me couldn't believe i had actually done it a lot of i'm like i'm like am I some kind of freak? I don't know. Cause I kind of just got on with it and got it done. <laughs> and it was, I think it was just part of like, well, now this, see, I've done it and it's correct. And that's it. It's done and dusted. Cause I don't, I, I kind of want to do things correctly. And it's I, it's probably, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I think that's probably my downfall too. Cause most people wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, and then, but the hard thing was next two days because I had to kind of catch up on calories because I had a bit of a deficit. So the next two runs were really, really hard. And this whole process has taught me how amazing our bodies are because it's like my body adapted again. And it just kind of, I was like, how am I doing this? It's just like, it's just kind of just going and it just keeps going. And that's why 
I'm a very strong believer. We're stronger than what we think we are. It's normally our minds that hold us back. And it's just like this. Yeah. And yeah. Two follow-up questions from that. First of all, you mentioned how difficult it can be at times to be open about your process. Now, so many people keeping up with you on social media. I feel like anytime I look at one of your tweets, like 4,000 people have liked it. (laughs) Talk to me about that. Talk to me about how that has been, the adjustment of opening yourself up to that criticism has been and how you navigate it on a daily basis to have so many people keeping up with you. I I try and because it, it, it can it's it's kind of one of those things where you have a love hate relationship with social media because it it can be, it's full of so much good and that's what I focus on and it's, and it's sometimes you kind of tend to like focus on like the negative side of it a little bit too much sometimes and what I've done with this whole 104 is I have made an effort to focus on the really good and that's what's got me through because the support has been phenomenal it has been absolutely and yes it's scary it is so scary to like post like because I remember the first time I ever did a tweet I was like what am I doing what do I write and stuff and now I just kind of put it out there and I'm like it's scary because you're like yeah is someone going to come back and criticize me or someone going to say something and how do you deal with that and it's like you just learn to deal with it and you just ignore the bad and you just focus on the good because there is so much good out there and it's just it is I just I can never thank people enough for the amount of support I got with doing this it's just it's been phenomenal it blows my mind the individuals that make it a priority and take the time out of their day to bring somebody else down who is clearly trying to do something so good it's not as though you were just going after this for the record like so much good came from this effort it's astronomical yeah exactly and that's uh, I had the conversation actually with my husband this morning I'm like even if someone else goes off to the right for me it wasn't about the record ever it was like the record was a nice thing but I wanted to do good I wanted to show people that they can be stronger um, than what they think they are and just and raise money and it's just the whole journey and it's like and I and I agree with you I'm not sure why people feel the need to bring other people down because I I grew up saying well my parents were really really strict and they always said if you don't have anything good to say don't say it so I'm Mm -hmm. like that's how I that's my motto if I if I see something I don't agree with and that the another person really that's what they're I'm like you know what if I don't have a good thing to say I'm not going to say anything (laughs) what's that saying it's like this isn't an airport you don't need to like announce your departure (laughs) (laughs) like just leave (laughs) just leave exactly just leave leave me alone just leave me alone Well, now let's fast forward a little bit to the big moment, finishing the final marathon. Now it goes, it needs to be said that you along your journey find out that there is another woman that is also taking on a similar feat, Uh Kate Jaden, who ultimately, what did she run? She ran 101 marathon. She ran 101. Yeah. So So (laughs) you're on marathon 86 when you find out that Uh she also did something like this. Did you like literally want to like, how did you feel? (laughs) I kind of, I was a little shocked because I'm like, I didn't think anyone else would be this crazy to take it on. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) But on the other hand, I was like, you know what? Us women can be so freaking strong. And I'm like, you know what? There is something to be said with that. And I'm like, that's amazing. That just pushes me a little bit more. And I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I just changed my goal now. It's like 102 will be fine. So when did you decide to go from 102 to 104? Oh, that was like, I think like the week before or something. Cause I, I looked at the dates and I was like, oh wow, I might as well end April with a marathon. Cause I'm like, because my, my 102 was the Thursday. So I was like, you know what? I might as well do Friday and Saturday. And then it just rounded off. Well, <laughs> well. well, I saw the beautiful video of you finishing that final marathon. Super emotional, super special. Talk to us about how that really felt for you. It was amazing. Um, it was just, I think it part of the journey was just because 
the amount of support I'd received and also that I wasn't, I, I honestly, when I started, I wasn't, I didn't, there was, there was part of my mind that didn't think I'd make it this far just because of all the factors and stuff. So I was like, I, I couldn't believe I'd done it. I think I was a little bit surprised a little bit and it was just, it was incredible. And it was incredible having my family there just because for them, them, this has been really hard. Because... It's a lot of opportunity cost for everyone involved. Exactly. And it was it was really like our family life just took a back step. And it was it was hard. It was hard for the kids because the kids, like when I finished number 104, my son, he was like, are you finished now, mommy? And I'm like, yes. He's like, yes, finally. <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're super happy and super proud. They tell all their friends at school and stuff. But I think for them, it was nice to kind of have a little bit more mommy time. Did you face criticism about that? Actually, I know a lot of people were really supportive about that. They were more curious how I was kind of managing it all and stuff. And I, um, and I must say my husband, my husband was a rock star because he just really helped with the kids and stuff. I think I kind of feel bad for him because I think he was really stressed. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh my gosh. This is coming out just over a week after you finishing your major beautiful feat. What's life like for you now? Um, to be honest, I've been it's been a bit of a roller coaster because I've been on like so many interviews and stuff. So I'm like, ah, <laughs> it's been a little bit overwhelming. Um, but it's nice because I can, yeah, just spend some time with the kiddos when they get home from school and stuff. And it's not like, oh, mommy needs recovery and mommy needs to do this. I need to do this. So it's kind of they can kind of get a little bit more focused time with me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been good, but I'm itching to run again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the R word recovery, something that I know that we should touch on before we continue yep. here. I know you were big on Epsom salt baths, also uh -huh. making sure that you were getting sleep. What else aside from that was a really big priority for you? Nutrition, I'm assuming. Yeah. Nutrition. I had to make sure I was eating the right stuff to recover, which was really bad, which was really hard because in the beginning I was just eating whatever I wanted to. Like I was pizzas, donuts, whatever. I'm like, I need to, I need to kind of load up. And it's like, it, I was treating it like as if I was doing one race. But then what I found was that my body wasn't recovering fast enough because I wasn't getting the nutrients that I needed. So I kind of had to switch it up a little bit and just make sure it was kind of a little bit more healthy and just getting more, more of a balanced diet. Um, and then I was also making sure like I was rolling a lot, which to be honest, like going into this, I was the worst with the recovery. I would never stretch. I would never roll. I'm like, yeah, I've got a roller. What do I do with it? <laughs> I was just terrible. And I was like, with this, I'm like, well, if I want to get to the finish, I'm going to have to change my attitude with it a little bit. So I made sure like my stump, I was icing it every night just because of the swelling. I was, I, I've got one of those massage guns. I was using it all the time. Like, so I had like a, like a, a little bit of a session like after I take a bath I just do all these things just to make sure my muscles just kind of had better better way of recovering right all the maintenance now you did put up a post the other day talking about this effort by the numbers from one running blade to 200 boiled potatoes 100 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches giving a little bit of insight into your diet, which as you noted, definitely evolved over time. I love the highlight of 200 gummy worms. So where <laughs> did the gummy worms come into play? And I'm also astounded by only 20 pizzas. I know. I had a few people say, what? Only 20 pizzas. And then I had some like, you actually mean 20 bags of gummy worms, right? Not just like two or like 200 bags of gummy worms. I was like, uh, yeah, I should have changed that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan because I use gummy worms when I do ultras. It's just good because it gives you a quick sugar fix and stuff. And sometimes it's just nice to choose something else that is in a gel and things like that. So yeah, it was it was funny the comments that I got when I posted that. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And I personally am a relatively new gummy worm enthusiast. So I feel like now I'm going to have to maybe start using them on my runs. I feel like when I started running, I was like really into like the energy chews because it did feel like you were getting like candy on your way. But over time I have switched to like 
element packets and more in gels and you know less exciting yeah and gummy gummy ones are a little bit cheaper too than all the gels and stuff <laughs> so i'm like you know what it's a win-win because it kind of does the same thing so i'm like ah, i'll just do gummy worms it's a win-win well you are in as you mentioned this tailwind of post-accomplishment media and whatnot but I do want to check in a little bit about how you're feeling emotionally. You joked a little bit being a little anxious to run. I would assume that accomplishing something like this is kind of like it's momentous. It's a a life moment. It's what some would liken to maybe a wedding or your graduate degree or having a child. Like it's big, right? So you feel as though you're on a little bit of the come down now? Like, how do you feel emotionally? I do. I do feel like I'm like, I'm kind of getting to the point now where I'm like, oh, what's next? Because it's like, it's kind of like when you've been like, this has been life for like 104 days. And I've been yeah. like really open on social media, posting every day. And it's like, you're getting like so many people interacting and stuff. And I'm like, oh, now this is all going to die off. And it's like, what do I do next? So it's kind of, I kind of feel like, part of me you kind of get addicted to that like that sense of accomplishment and it's like yeah now now you need to kind of fill it up with something else what are you going to do next but Mm. I'm trying to be really really careful because I again it's on the whole point of that we often don't celebrate our accomplishments and I feel like with this one I'm like this is such a big deal like it's not it's not at all about the record itself it's just it's just about the fact that I managed to run 104 marathons as an amputee and, and the amount of lives that have changed and just highlighting what amputees can do and stuff. And I feel like that is a proud moment for me. And I'm, I'm not trying to, I hope I'm not coming across arrogant or anything. I'm just like, this is just really important. And so I'm trying to celebrate that fact and just, so it's it, it is hard it's hard because you are starting to come down and you're like oh okay now what am i gonna do but i'm trying to be good about it and just trying to celebrate the moments i've never run 104 marathons in 104 days i also like haven't gotten married or had a kid but i have done things in my life that have felt really important so i can sympathize with this like post big moment yeah. and In my experience, something that has helped me, especially when my accomplishments have been athletic, have been kind of coming back to my value as Emily outside of being an athlete and outside of being a runner. I mean, we hear all the time of these stories of athletes navigating depression, especially after these big accomplishments, maybe something like the Olympics. And so it is really important, not only that you have this frame of mind that you do right now, finding that those small wins and the glory in your day to day, but also thinking long-term about how Jackie is going to keep showing up for herself beyond putting on that running prosthetic. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very, very valid point. I love that. (laughs) Of course we would be, we would be remiss if we didn't highlight that you do have another race on your docket. What are you working at right now? Um, only 240 miles. Oh, just 240 240 miles. Yeah. That's in October. It's still a long way away. (laughs) It is a long way away. (laughs) No, I still, I'll, um, I'm going to start training for that in two weeks time just to get back. Cause I need to get back on the trails cause I haven't, because this is a trail race, um, 240. I need to kind of, and trail, trail running on a, prosthetic just takes so it's it's just a different style of running so I need to go out on the trails and practice and just kind of get a lot of more hills because I've been running with the marathons I've been running them quite flat just to get through them um so I'm I'm excited because it'd be good to kind of get out doing the race and just being out there and just being in the mountains again and just yeah I love I love being out on the trails and that's kind of where I find it very therapeutic too, is just like with this whole finding myself and just kind of going out there and going for a nice hike and just kind of just being out there. It just really helps. When you first got your leg amputated, you said that you struggled to find the beauty in yourself again. You struggled to get over that mental hurdle. Now, when you look in the mirror, what do you see looking back at you? I see a strong, badass woman. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say that about myself? Oh, you can 100% (laughs) say that about yourself. Are you kidding? (laughs) And do you feel, did you feel that way before this? Or do you really feel as though this feat completely changed the way that you view yourself? I think it has. It is, uh, it's, 
it's blown my mind away that I was able to do it. I'm like, hell yeah, I can, I can do really hard things. And it's just, it, it just puts things in a total different perspective and just like, wow, it's just looking at your body and going, wow, just wow, that you can, you can push yourself. And it's, and it's just, yeah, that, yeah, that our bodies are incredible, that we can, we can do hard things. What would you say during the 104 day period that the best piece of advice you were offered was? Probably just take one day at a time. I don't know. Yes. A few people had commented that they were like, you know what, you're doing a great job. Just take it one time, one day at a time. And that's kind of what I focused on. Cause sometimes your, your goals can be overwhelming. I feel like it's sometimes when you set really big goals, it just can feel like, Oh my goodness, I'm never going to get there. But if you just work on it every day and just one step at a time, you eventually get there and you're like, oh my goodness, look at that. I've done it. (laughs) I've done it. I've done it. Would you say that that's the biggest lesson that you want people to walk away from watching and learning about your story with? Absolutely. Yes. Final question, Jackie. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice. Let's go back to the hurdle moment when you found out that you were going to have to get your leg amputated. You have an opportunity with all of the wisdom that you have now to offer that woman at 26 a piece of advice. What do you tell her? I would tell her that take uh, every day is one step at a time and you will be okay. That's what I think that is my biggest, like things will be okay. Cause I just feel like, I just feel like when you're going through something that big is it, it becomes really dark. And it's like, you, sometimes you feel like you're drowning. You just can't see the end, like the end inside. And it's just like, and especially when you get diagnosed with cancer, a lot of the times it's like, I'm not going to survive this. There is a part of you that thinks, oh my goodness, it's cancer. I'm going to die. And it's like, no, that's not, it's not necessarily a death sentence. It is, there is hope. There is, it's going to be okay if you just kind of hold on to that. So grateful for your time today, Jackie. So appreciative of you sharing your story with us. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you if they don't already? Give us the details. They can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, and that's NC Runner Jackie. Beautiful. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Woohoo! <laughs>